the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. You'll hear verse-by-verse Bible preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. For every question in your life, there's an answer from God's Word. Listen in as Pastor Chris Chadwick preaches to the Canyon Ridge family. First Samuel in your Bibles today. First Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 on this Mother's Day. Uh, I love Mother's Day, a day set aside just to honor our moms, a uh, day that is filled, if you will, with great joy for so many. It's just wonderful on every single level. But the truth be told, it's not an easy day for some people. It's not easy for everyone. There's some folks in here, had a lady say this to me at the end of the service today. Uh, she said, I, I miss my mom really, really bad. I miss my mom. And I, I wish that my mom was here. It's a hard day for her. It's a hard day for other people here. There are some here today who can't have children. And, and to you, my heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to you if you can't have kids. I know that today could be easier if maybe there was a bunch of little kids running around your house getting you dirty and getting everything else dirty. It should be a day of joy, but there's there's some sadness that's involved there. Ladies in our church would give anything to have children, but they don't have children. It's a tough day. It's, It's a tough day for some other folks because, well, you had children and they died. Mother's Day can be an awesome day, and it should be, but for those of you to whom today is a difficult day, I just want you to know that as your pastor, I get it. It's a day of celebration for so many people in the room, but for some of you, it's not a day of celebration. It's, it's a day of really, if you will, of sadness. And so our, our heart breaks for you. Our heart goes out to you. We, we understand to some degree. and We want to be empathetic for you. You're not alone. The lady in our story is not dissimilar from you. Let me tell you the story about this lady named Hannah. Hannah in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 1 is, a, is really a, an exemplary lady. Matter of fact, you've been around Christian churches very long. You probably met somebody named Hannah. People that have named their children after her because she is such an exemplary lady. Well, the story of Hannah's life is not a story of ease. The story of Hannah's life is a difficult story. It's a challenging story. 
You see, Hannah was alive in a time period in our world, oh, good grief, 4,000 years ago, where it was basically a requirement that if you were a good woman, that you would have kids. It was a sign of God's blessing on a person's life, that you would have children and not just have children, but you would have what the Bible calls a man-child or you would have a son. You would have a son because they wanted to carry the family name on and carry the family tradition moving forward and property had been given and land had been given after the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. And and through that area, they'd been given by Joshua to the people and, and of the land. And it was, it was awesome, uh, this land that had been given. But if you didn't have a son to carry on the name, it was only a matter of time before your family lost that land. So everybody wanted to have a son and it was a sign of God's blessing if you had one. Well, if you didn't have a son, that was a bummer. That was a bad thing. But the land could still be passed down to your daughters. But if you had, but it would be a little bit different and a little bit difficult and a little bit challenging. And so sons were coveted. Everybody wanted a boy. For those of us that only have girls. I have two daughters. After two, after having two daughters, we gave up. You say, why didn't you try for another one? I'm batting no for two. Not that daughters aren't amazing. If you're in the crowd today, laughter is appreciated. My daughter is standing in the back right now, going to tell her sister, and they're going to poison my lunch. (laughs) It was nice knowing you as your pastor. I will not be here next week. I will be dead. (sighs) But Hannah was this woman. She not only didn't have a son, she didn't have children. And her husband is a guy named Elkanah. And Elkanah was a good dude, but he made a major, major mistake. What was his major mistake? He married two women. He had two wives. Let me just tell you, two wives equals two mother-in-laws, and that's two too many. Now, if your mother-in-law is here today, she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Treat her with kindness. When she leaves, we'll talk truth. I have a mother-in-law, and I love her to death, and I'm so glad she doesn't live near me. Um, but he, he had two wives, and one of the wives was a lady named Penina. You can read about her in like verses 1, 2, 3, and we'll go through this in just a second in the Scripture. But this woman named Penina, Elkanah's other wife, had children. She had a lot of children. She had sons, and she had daughters. And, and like any situation like that, there was tension in the house. There was Penina, who had children. There was Hannah, who had no children. So Penina, who had the blessing of children, was making fun of, ridiculing, and mocking Hannah, who had no children. Matter of fact, she uses, Hannah uses words like, it made her bitter. That means sorrowful. It, it made her, we have a word, it made her to fret. That word, bring up the word fret. Uh, it, it made, or, or bitter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, the word bitterness is a cry of mourning or a cry of sadness. It, it, it brought her tremendous struggle. It, it, it uh, forced her in her soul this, this sense of fret or worry or doubt or dread. I mean, this woman was really, really struggling. Really struggling. It was painful. The Bible doesn't let us how, know how often this happened, but in my mind, it was a very regular thing that whenever there was tension, Penina would say to Hannah, at least I have kids. At least I'm leaving a heritage. At least, at least I give Elkanah children. 
It was her trump card. I don't even remember the trump card. Like, like for my brother who was five years older than me, when we were little kids, he had trump cards whenever he wanted to make fun of me and whenever I would do better than him in an area like school, grades, loving parents, keeping my room clean, driving cars, obeying the law. <laughs> my brother would always say this, at least I'm bigger than you and if you don't shut up, I'll beat you up. That's still my brother's trump card. That's why I live as far away from him as I can too. Now I'm kidding. I have a wonderful, wonderful brother who, who loves Jesus and his, keeps his cell clean. <laughs> but he had a trump card and that was Penina's trump card. And so Hannah is this lady. She has no children. She has a husband. And the Bible says that, that they left their town that they lived and they traveled down to a place called Shiloh. Shiloh was a place where there would be worship. And every year they would go down to Shiloh and, and they would worship the Lord. They would bring offerings to the Lord. It was an act of worship. They'd bring sacrifice to the Lord. It was a wonderful, wonderful place down in Shiloh. And so Hannah and Penina and all of Penina's kids and Elkanah, the husband and the two wives and all of one of the wives' kids would travel down to Shiloh and they would offer sacrifice to the Lord. And, and Elkanah really loved Hannah. He really loved her more than he loved Penina, according to the scripture. And he would give Penina an offering to give to the Lord, and he would give his children with Penina an offering to give to the Lord. But he gave Hannah, the Bible uses this word, a worthy portion. That word just means a double portion. He would give his wife, Hannah, a double portion to worship the Lord with, and she would offer this offering to the Lord. But when they're at the temple, it was a time of celebration. It was a time of joy. It was a time of fun. I mean, they had a great, great time worshiping the Lord together. Everybody's celebrating. Everybody's singing. They're eating food. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience for everyone in the room except for Hannah. Hannah hated it. Matter of fact, that's where the Bible uses that word bitterness. She was bitter. Now, when we use bitterness, again, we use the word bitterness in the sense of, in our time, like this really negative thing, like, oh, don't, don't be bitter. You're bitter. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews uh, about bitterness, beware lest bitterness springing up inside of you and, and, and the root of bitterness springing up inside of you, Hebrews chapter 12, I think it's verse number 15, and thereby many be defiled. Bitter people are people who really, really become angry and everybody around them becomes angry. They're, it's like a cancer. See a lot of heads nodding because you've been around bitter people. Nothing good can ever be done. Everything's always wrong. Nothing's ever right. I'll tell you, the worst people to be around are bitter parents. Oh, dude, I'm so thankful for the family that I had. If my mom was bitter, she hit it well. And I don't really know, if, I don't think she was ever bitter. She didn't have an easy life. My mother grew up, my mother grew up in an abusive situation. My grandmother was emotionally and physically abusive. I mean, my mom grew up in a, in a very, very difficult situation and difficult circumstances. And by the grace of God, my mother was gloriously saved and raised her family for Jesus Christ. But bitterness that is spoken of in this passage is not talking about a negative, but rather a, a, it's like an adjective. It's declaring what was going on in her soul. She was sad, sorry. She was in pain. 
So when this celebration is going on at the temple, I mean, it's a big, beautiful celebration. And when this celebration is going on at the temple, everybody's there. Penina is singing. Her children are singing. Her husband, Elkanah, is singing. They've offered sacrifice to the Lord. Everybody's having a great day. And here's what happened. Hannah leaves and she goes to the temple and she goes and she prays in the temple. And she prays, if you notice in verse number 11, she prays a prayer to the Lord, and I'm going to give you essentially what, it's, what it says. You can read it. I'll kind of quote it. She says this, Lord, if you will give me a man-child, I will give him back to you all the days of his life. And then it says in verse number 12, <laughs> I love this, and no razor will touch his head. That means he's going to take a very specific, what's called a Nazarite vow, and everybody will know that this young man or middle-aged man or then old man, Samuel, uh, this boy, whoever he's going to be, if you'll give him to me, that he is special, he is reserved for only you. I love that she makes this phrase. I just think this is really cool. She says in verse number 11, if you give me a man-child. Now, let me explain something to you. Men don't come out of wombs. How many of you ladies could say amen right there? Could you imagine me? 275 pounds of not awesomeness coming out of a womb. My mom really doesn't like me at times. She would have hated that. Babies are born, not men. But that word there is not accidental. She's not really saying, give me a baby boy. We have other language for that in the Old Testament. She could have made that phrase. You say, Pastor, what do you think it means? I'm just telling you what I think it means. I think it means this. God, if you'll give me a baby boy, I will treat him and raise him to be a man. No, we're we're about to go somewhere by way of application. And moms, I might not win pastor of the year today, but in 30 years, I hope I do. Let, Let me explain something to you very quickly. That wonderful baby boy that came out of your womb, everybody else has the joy of viewing him as a baby. You have the responsibility of viewing him as a man. You you didn't have a child. Yes, you had a child physically, but in your mind, I'm preparing him for adulthood. I'm preparing him to be able to live on his own. I'm preparing him to be able to do his own thing. I'm preparing him to cross mountains. I'm preparing him to be, to be a man who can take challenges and face risk and walk through risk and do amazing things. I want a man child. And we live in a world that is emasculated and young men. Listen, you might not like this. I care, but I don't care. I care enough to speak the truth to you. And that is, we've got like 25, 30-year-old dudes enjoying living in their mom and dad's basement. Oh, amen. Yeah, that's really good. I needed to hear that. Well, but pastor, if he moves out, he'll have no money. Good. No, no, we're okay with that. No, did you hear me? We're okay with that. Well, I don't want him to join the military because then he won't be around me. And pastor, just make me cry on the inside. Well, then raise a wuss. I'm okay with you. Just admit what you're doing. Hey, I'm trying to ruin this kid's life when he's 40 years old so he knows nothing in life of what to do. God has not called you to raise a pansy. He's called you to raise dudes. I need some more help this morning. 
I don't mind standing alone. Arlene raised me to stand up on my own. There's like five or six people. We'll fight back to back, but we're going all in. God has called you to raise men. Well, I don't want my little son to get dirty. Look at the clothes I bought him. Well, you're the more on the bottom, the clothes. Well, I want him to look cute. No boys should look cute. They should be dirty and ugly and, and all of that. Well, I want him to be good in picture. Take the picture, throw a bucket of dirt on him. It's over after that. I'll tell you what, Joe Chadwick raised some men. And in our family, I'm just going to be super candid with you. In our family, it wasn't like, well, sweetheart, do you want to go outside and mow the lawn? I swear before I could crawl, I was mowing the lawn. My dad just had me out there grazing on the lawn. Dad, I can't push the lawnmower. Then eat it, boy, eat it. I don't know. I cannot. For, I'm not forgetting this. When I was a little kid in the state of Washington, if you live on the western side of Washington, if you've ever been there, you know it rains all the time. And one of the things about rain all the time is the grass always grows. My dad did not believe in gas-powered weed eaters. Gerald and Arlene were looking for ways to keep me and my brother occupied. Why? Because he knew that if my butt is in his, it is on his couch, number one, I'm going to be watching TV, which cost him electricity. You say, your dad worried about that? Poor people worry about stuff like that. And so my dad came up with this idea. He went to the local like garden store, Home Depot, it wasn't Home Depot back in the day, it was True Value. I can still remember where it is. And he bought these little like lawn shears. Not the big ones, but the little ones that you squeeze together. People are like, how'd your forearms get this big? Yeah, Gerald. <laughs> and I had to go out and I had to edge the yard. And we had one of those yards. How many of you remember life back in the 70s? Like you actually got some yard here. Not like a San Diego yard with rocks. that's like four feet. No, it was like a half to three quarters of an acre. And my dad said, while I'm gone today, I want you to edge this. With What? With this, I said, the neighbors have a, a weed eater and I've always been a salesman my entire life. Can I just borrow the neighbor, neighbor's weed eater? He said, if you do, I'll break your arm. You say, we would have called CPS. He wouldn't have cared. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing as CPS. I thought that was Chadwick Protective Services growing up. And so I, here I am, like seven years old, out there edging the side of the yard. And he came home, and I'll just be honest with you, it wasn't a very good job. So he made me do it again. And he didn't always congratulate my bad performance. No, mom and dad made sure that they raised some men who could stand up. And what this world needs, moms, is boys not to be treated like they're some little prima donna, but to be treated like men who are outside getting dirty, getting hard, having a hard life, that they they get bloody. They do difficult and challenging things so that we can see some young men who are able to stand up against the wussy world that we live in. Well, I don't know why there's all these snowflakes around here. I haven't even got to the message and I'm almost out of time. <sighs> and I'm preaching to men and it's Mother's Day. Come back on Father's Day. I'll preach to the ladies. I don't know why a bunch of snowflakes are. I'll tell you why. Because you raised a bunch of snowflakes. Well, I'm just worried about their feelings, Pastor. Don't you worry about their feelings? Well, I kind of do. I don't want to be dismissive of their feelings. But their feelings don't dictate their actions. Oh, his heart's broken. Good. I understand what a broken heart's like. Your heart can get broken and you can still move on and do great things. 
Your emotions should not dictate your actions. So Hannah said this in verse 11, God, give me a man child. Ladies, men, listen to me. That's not simply talking about reproduction. That's talking about an end state of what I'm raising. And you you don't have to, listen, I'm not a hunter. You don't have to shoot animals with bows and wear like deer skins to be a man. You You can, not afraid of that. You don't have to live outside. I love to go camping every once in a while. I'll stay at a Holiday Inn Express. I stayed at one last week. I said, man, Deb, we're really roughing it here. <sighs> Didn't have my California king bed. It was just a normal king-size bed. <sighs> and ever since COVID, they don't come in and clean the room after you. You have to clean up your own room now. Oh, man, it's really difficult. Listen, can I implore you to raise? This is one of the reasons we at Canyon Ridge, let me stop us inside. This is one of the reasons that we made a, a very awesome decision to, to, to start Trail Life and American Heritage Girls. And Trail Life is this thing for boys that learn, teaches them to be men. And we like them to get dirty and we like them to hurt themselves. And I like it when boys come, hey, pastor, see, see, I, I hurt myself. See the scab that I have? You know, listen, your boys come and tell me that. I'm going to tell you right now what I'm doing. Hey, pick that thing off. Let's see how the blood flows. <laughs> You're like, that's not healthy, <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> They'll never forget that. I'm like, yeah, let's see. now suck the blood out. Just keep sucking it. Pastor, that's gross. Not if you're nine. <laughs> I better get moving. By the way, at Canyon Ridge, if you're laughing, the preaching clock stops. So um, I've got extra time. So Hannah prays this prayer to the Lord. Matter of fact, she's so passionate about this prayer when she's in the temple that the priest, Eli, sees her and Eli says to her, he, he, he tells her in verses like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, this is where this interaction takes place. He looks at her and he says, why are you drunk in the temple? Because she was so grieving that she seemed like she was drunk. And she's praying, her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out, which was very uncommon in that culture. In our culture, it's a very normal thing. But in that culture, if you've ever been to Israel and you've been to like the Wailing Wall, uh, there you'll, you'll hear people. I've had the privilege of being there. Look forward to going again this year or two. And, and I've had the privilege of being there. And you'll, li- I mean, people are praying very, very loudly at that wall. And it's awesome to hear. That would be more in line with what that culture was like. And so when Hannah is praying and she's so grieved that words can't come out of her mouth, but she's just mouthing the prayer. And she says to Eli, the priest who called her the drunk woman, she says, no, no, sir. Verse number 17, I am not a daughter of Belial. I I, I mean, think about how they viewed alcohol in the temple. No, no, sir. I am not a daughter of one of the false gods that God has defeated. I just out of bitterness or sorrow of heart, I'm asking God to answer this prayer. And Eli says to her, I think it's in verse number 17 or 18. Eli says to her, now he's speaking in what's called a high priestly prayer. He was the high priest. So he's speaking. You may have heard this phrase before, like ex cathedra. He's speaking as the mouthpiece of God. 
You see, in that day, the word of God was not written. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have the authority of the word of God. So priest prophets would speak as in the place of God, not, not for God. They were simply the mouthpiece for God. They were saying what God wanted them to say. So Eli says to Hannah, Thy, and there's no information if the prayer is conveyed to Eli, what's going on. He simply says to her, uh, thy prayer be granted and peace be unto thee. Hannah hears that. The man of God has spoke the word of God to me and said, peace be unto thee. And verse 18, verse number 19, the Bible says that she gets up from there. She goes back to, as we read it, the celebration. And she begins to eat something she wasn't doing before. And she begins to rejoice. Or let's put it this way. I think the direct quote is this. And there was no, and she was no more sad. When she heard the word of God, the word of God brought tremendous comfort to her, and she was no longer sad in her heart. You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Before we go, how do you know you can go to heaven when you die? First, you must understand your need for a Savior. The Bible is clear that we all have a huge problem called sin. Romans 3.23 says it this way, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how big or small it seems to us, our sin has an immense price. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. In other words, the price for sin is eternal death apart from God in a place called hell. And none of us can make it into heaven by merit alone. But here's the good news. God sent help. Romans 6.23 continues, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says that God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What's the next step? Believe in Jesus. He came to earth as God in the flesh, lived a perfect life, and then voluntarily died on the cross, paying the price for all of your sins because he loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God, in his awesome love, came to earth to make a way for you to be forgiven of your sins and receive eternal life. Finally, trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's as simple as believing, asking, and receiving. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you can pray to God. That means talking to Him and do that right now. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the area, make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m. at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, pastor, or how to know Jesus as your Savior, visit our website at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.